Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Please consider supporting Black Women United, YEG, for the protection and advancement of black women and girls in Alberta. You can learn more about them at bwunited.ca. They are always looking for donations and volunteers. So please, again, support Black Women United, YEG, for the protection and advancement of black women and girls in Alberta. Again, that website is bwunited.ca. My name is Frank Silvestri. I'm from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, not a Canadian. And Philly's really close to New Jersey, by the way. And I'm here to talk to you about why I am a Patreon supporter of Vishkana's Creative Control Podcast, a unique long-form exploration of music, comedy, art, geography, and so much more. Vish is an incredible interviewer who has a charming, disarming, funny, reverently irreverent style which feels a lot more like a conversation with friends than a podcast interview. These conversations have included talking to people like Jeff Tweedy, Nels Klein, Ira Kaplan, Dan Romano, Carson McCone, the White Hot Lung, Juliana Rialino, and one of my all-time favorites, the Sadies. So if you're like me and you find these kind of conversations vital, essential, and important, I hope you'll join me in supporting Creative Control on Patreon. To make your flexible monthly donation to Creative Control, please visit patreon.com slash creative control today. Kurt Vile is a prolific songwriter, multi-instrumentalist, singer, and producer based near his hometown in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. An original member of the War on Drugs, Vile has been releasing music under his own name since around 2003, initially as a solo artist, but soon backed up by his band, The Violators. He's also a keen collaborator, recording and releasing music with The Sadies, Courtney Barnett, and Dinosaur Jr., among others. Vile's latest release is an album-length EP called Back to Moon Beach, which features excellent new songs, covers of artists like Wilco, Charlie XCX and kind of sort of Bob Dylan, plus reworked KV classics as well. Back to Moon Beach is available everywhere on November 17th, 2023 via Verve Records 
And so Kurt and I had a nice talk about things like uh, Philly, Boston, and Adam and his package. Seeing Bob Dylan live and recording a version of Must Be Santa. Pandemic prescience. The gratitude for artists like Dylan, Dead Milkman, George Jones, Tom Petty, and David Berman that's present throughout this new EP. Our personal connections to Berman, Silver Jews, and Purple Mountains. His interactions with Neil Young, including one's children in their work life. Our shared love of the late Dallas Good and the Sadies and his work with them. Collaborating with Kate LeBon on this new release. Tour dates, other future plans, and much more. A part of the Entertainment One Network with the support of listeners just like you who follow and subscribe to this donor-driven podcast and spread the word about it and make flexible monthly donations at patreon.com slash creative control. That is the primary source of revenue that I get for all the work that I put into making this podcast. It's a modest amount. I just got a new $4 member as I'm doing this intro. Thank you, Kyle. Someone named Kyle just became a member just now. Isn't that something? I should turn my internet off. Anyway, it would mean a lot to me if you can uh, find it in your hearts and your wallets or checkbooks or whatever it is you use to make a flexible monthly donation to support my work on Patreon. Thank you very much. With additional support from Blackbird Music, a wonderful record store with bricks and mortar locations in Edmonton and Calgary, Alberta, and a helpful website, blackbird.ca, where you can actually order records you want shipped to your house. Say you want the new Kurt Vile uh, EP, Back to Moon Beach. Go to blackbird.ca, type in what you're looking for, and if they can get it for you, they'll get it for you. It's just that simple. Thanks again to Blackbird. Again, learn more about them at blackbird.ca. Plus, in-kind support from Pizza Trocadero, The Bookshelf, and Planet Bean Coffee in Guelph, Ontario, and Granddad's Donuts in Hamilton, Ontario. This is episode 821 of Creative Control, featuring the lovely and talented Kurt Vile with your host, me, Vishkana. Hey, Kurt, how's it going? Good, thanks. How are you doing? I, I'm okay. I have to admit I'm a little uh, tired. My Our eight-year-old daughter, Ramona, had a nightmare oh. and uh, ended, ended up in our bed and kind of woke us up. And then when I asked her what the nightmare was about, she said, zombies. <laughs> I said, I said, oh, what were they doing? And she said, I don't want to talk about it. So I'm both tired and I feel like I'm being, uh, you know, information is being withheld from me, interesting information. So oh, I apologize if... I'm a little out of it. Have you have you had an experience like this? Well, <laughs> let me ask you this: Was it was she like, "Don't worry about it, Dad," or was she like, "Don't worry about it, anybody"? <laughs> uh, uh, oh, that's a good point. She didn't tell either of us, my wife okay. and I. She she okay. wouldn't divulge. Yeah, is that what's the distinction there? Should I be? No, I just meant like. <laughs> Then it's more like just give. She'll tell you eventually. But I thought yeah. it was more like, don't worry about it. I'm gonna tell mom. <laughs> <laughs> so you have you had that with your kids where they will they'll I, they'll tell one of you I, one thing, but in my life probably. But I, I feel like not lately. You know. <laughs> okay. 
Good, good. Uh, so where in the world are you today there, Kurt? I'm in Philadelphia. Oh, nice. This is your home base. Beloved, beloved city, fair to say? Beloved to me, for sure. Yeah. But uh, I, I always I feel bad for people who come through playing shows who aren't from here or trying to be like, I can't wrap my head around Philly. It's like, I can't. It's You got to kind of be in it to know all the pockets. Oh. But or come back a lot. I feel like. Oh, like, like infrastructurally, it's confusing. Well, I feel like most places that anyone's going to be to see a show, for instance, it's not the best perspective of what the city's like. It's hard to tell, you know. Yeah. But there's all kinds of, if you're moving around the city a lot, and then, but a lot, I, I also got out to Mount Airy or you know Germantown. Those areas are just like so, so many trees and woods that you you forget you're in the city, you know, but. But then again, if you need to need to get into the city, you're just you know twenty minutes away or something. Yeah, you got a video for uh, this uh, wonderful song, "Another Good Year for the Roses," that I want to talk to you about in a minute. But uh, the video is very woodsy. Was that shot in Philadelphia? Yeah, no, that's shot in basically my neighborhood. Yeah. Oh, that's beautiful. That's that's wonderful. You have a what do you go hiking and stuff? Yeah, totally. Yeah, that's cool. I have kind of a magical memory of Philadelphia because uh, 23 years ago I was road managing a band from Canada, and we got in. We were heading into Philadelphia for a show, and I said, "You know who I know from Philadelphia that played my house a couple of years ago is this Adam and his package." And they, my friends, were like, "Who?" I'm like, "Adam and his package. He's very funny. He had a song called uh, Sting cannot possibly be the same guy who was in the police.'" Which I always thought. Oh, wow, that's so good. I didn't know. I, I think about that often. Because the police, the police walking on the moon. Yeah. Walking on the moon is like the best song of all time. Yeah, I actually, know? I wondered if uh, a song like that might be an influence on the title track for this EP. Anyway, I just want to finish this. We got into town and then we went wandering around Philadelphia. I go to a record store. Who do I run into? Adam from Adam and His Package. Do you, are, you, are you familiar with Adam and His Package? Uh, my My wife. Suzanne, she went to Dartmouth, and they they were all obsessed with him there, and had him play maybe multiple times. Always, I I would always hear his name, and I, but it was like when he was playing shows, house shows, and stuff. It was before I was hip enough or old enough maybe to go out and see it myself. But I would hear about it a lot, and people. But I I should get into it now. <laughs> I know he's like uh, a hero of the DIY Philly, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's probably ahead of your time. I can't. You're you're younger than me, but I. He's a. He was. A, I don't know if he's still active. Anyway, that's my magical Philly moment. I've been there a few times. I think it's a wonderful uh, city, and I can see why you don't want to leave. You've never. Yeah, well, pondered living elsewhere. I'm guessing. Well, I only. I lived in Boston for two years, just for like life reasons of like getting your life moving. Like my my wife, she was my wife then, but she went got her master's at Emerson hmm. and I worked at a warehouse, you know, I always n- knew all I ever want to be is a professional, you know, musician re- recording my own music. Yeah. It wasn't the easiest getting where I am, but another way it totally was because all, all I did was keep playing music and recording it myself or getting friends to record it and then hustling my way into the studio. But yeah, Whatever. But conveniently, I travel for a living. Yeah. If I didn't, that might be a different story. But Philly's close enough to New York that in my formative years of hustling, I could get up there easily. And then later, you know, go out, go out and record in L.A. or whatever. 
and then go on tour and see where you like to be and meet some friends that there and, and work there yeah. when, when you can. But, but, uh, yeah, I never had to actually move, you know, I, uh, now I'm glad I didn't cause I'm in the woods. <laughs> Did your wife, this is another magical <laughs> Philadelphia moment for me. You mentioned Emerson college. Is that what you said? Yeah. Just yesterday. I was invited, I, I, well, a couple of weeks ago, I was invited to take part in someone's lecture remotely, a uh, teacher at Emerson College. And he wanted to talk about, uh, using song, uh, talking about music and song lyrics, uh, in the form of like argumentation or something. I, I'm not doing a great job of explaining what I was. That's just <laughs> weird though. Like we talked about David Berman and Bob Dylan and a bunch of stuff and it was really fun. And, uh, that's just wow. weird that you brought up Emerson because I didn't. That's really wild. Did your did your did your now wife enjoy her time at that school? Yeah, she did. Well, and a lot of people I I forget too. A lot of people went there that have you know influenced and been in my life. Like and my bandmate Rob Laxo, he went there too. He's from a band called the Wicked Farleys, mm. and then he was in the Swirlies, legendary Boston area band, shoegaze, but. And did other other friends as well, but Rob ended up being in my band, you know. Yeah, uh, yeah. But yeah, it's a cool school. Like a lot of you know, people went to school for recording and you know, creative writing and music. There was a cool music sort of recording branch, I should say. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I'm a blue collar man. You know? <laughs> you weren't attending any schooling in Boston, is what you're saying. Your wife was. No. Yeah. Okay. All right. No, that's cool. And um. Very briefly, I just want to extend my condolences to you, uh, uh, there. I, um, you mentioned Rob and I, um, it's, it's bittersweet to talk about this EP. Let's get into it. Back to Moon Beach. It's an EP. Yep. But it's, uh, it's not an EP length. This is already the talk of the town. Everyone's talking about this, Kurt. Everywhere I go, people are like, <laughs> you, you hear this? Kurt Viley put out an EP, but it's long. And I say, yeah, I'll, if I ever see Kurt, I'll ask him, Kurt, what, what happened here? Why is your EP actually an LP length? That's classic KV there. No, <laughs> it's because the first six songs, you could say the first six songs are the EP, and that's what fits on an LP. Mm -hmm. And then the, the last three songs have been previously released, and they're, they fall into the compilation, you know? But it's because when I was making this record, I knew I had those Stinson Beach recordings, two of which are longer. And yeah. somehow they're both exactly eight minutes and 15 seconds long. I don't know what that means yet, but it means something, you know? Yeah. That kind of stuff is for a reason. I just didn't sit around and look at the numbers yet. <laughs> but that alone will fill up the album. So with me, like, you know, I can have some long songs, but that, that's why that's, that's, that's why, because okay. there's a couple long songs, and but I, when I was making, I was like, I know I got these songs, and it's it's the, the Christmas song in particular. Like, I just had this video I was sitting on. I wanted, I released that Christmas song last year, mm -hmm. and it's got my kids singing on it, and we made a cool, funny video. My brother Sam, he's re makes really funny videos. Uh, he was involved in my Mount Airy Hill video, mm -hmm. but so anyway, I I I I wanted with the Christmas timing, you know, it's November. I wanted that to be on it, yeah. but I didn't know going in. I knew songs had potential, but it was, I had to go deep into some of the songs and overdub like crazy till they were usable. And then other ones are my favorite songs that were ready for the last record that just didn't make it onto the last record. Not because they weren't as good, but just because there's only so many songs that could fit and also touch something called a virus. That song was finished 
it's the track two of the EP and it was contender for the last record, but I it thought people would think it's about the pandemic, which it wasn't because it was recorded beforehand, you know, so maybe it was psychic, but that's about it. No, that's it's creepy is what it is. I, I read about this time. I know, but it's eerie that you did that. I feel like I do feel like honestly I can feel things on the horizon. I didn't think I don't know it at the time, but I feel like some psychic things happened where I don't know it, but I have a weird it's just you can kind of see the future without knowing it. Do you do you <laughs> But no, yeah. it's more like I wrote it's hyper hyper I mean I wrote touch something called a virus that that line. I wrote it years ago. But yeah. like by the time I record that song, it was just a few months before. You know, that was the only session I had really before the pandemic hit, you know, September yeah. 2019. Yeah. So this song, Touch Something, Caught a Virus. There's a few things you said there. I don't want to leave Must uh, Must Be Santa alone because I just saw Bob Dylan three times and he didn't play that song once. And it's oh, yeah, a festive. <laughs> I want to ask you about, I want to ask you for that in a second. I'm just kidding. I didn't expect him to play it. They're beautiful shows that I got to see. Uh, no. Are they uh, good? Oh my God. Do you want to I'm talk about, about to it? I'm about to see him too. You're, where are you going to see him? In Philadelphia? Philly. Nice. That's On great. November 8th. November 19th. So, uh, Kurt, I'm from Ontario originally, but I moved to Alberta in uh, 2020, uh, or yeah, January 2020. My wife's from here, and then we found work and blah, blah, blah. So uh, anyway, I I knew that in the back of my mind, if Dylan played Ontario, that might be enough to get me to go back. And of course, it didn't happen until now. So I went with the plan to see him both nights at Massey Hall. And then uh, at the last minute, we bought tickets for Rochester, New York, and uh, Eighth Row Center the day before. Woo! Unbelievable. Wow. And anyway, uh, unbelievable shows. Set lists are pretty much the same, which is, I've seen him like 30 odd times, 35, something like that. So I've yeah. seen him. I, I like him a lot. He's good. But yeah, Me the set, sets are pretty much the same. Have you seen him before? Yeah. yeah. Not, and if I, uh, I've seen him. I saw him like peak pandemic this past that that it was the best i ever saw yeah it was well 2021 maybe oh cool uh, I, I wonder if it's the same set list ish as then i think it's similar but he's moving some things around and i wrote a couple of things about it i wrote a review for a magazine in canada and then uh you familiar with this guy ray paget he has a book out it's over here i can't reach it right now it's really good it's called pledging my time uh, i had him on my show a little while ago and it's about uh he has conversations with people who played with Dylan in some capacity throughout his entire trajectory. It's amazing. Oh, wow. So that's my language. Yeah. Oh, no, no. That's in my language. I will send you a link or something because you got it's called, uh, I'm telling you now, I, I, you try to retain this. Pledging my time, Ray Paget. Anyway, he had me do something for his newsletter. He liked, uh, he knew I was going to both Massey Hall shows. Kurt, the set list, I think, because we were trying to figure out why he picked the songs he picked. For this show, like it's a lot of rough and rowdy ways stuff, but the rest of the songs are like he's not do he's doing really interesting kind of songs of his of his own and some covers. They all seem to be about saying goodbye. They all seem to be really? about him retiring and winding down. Uh, he's been starting the shows off with uh, watching the river flow, and the first line is, "What's the matter with me? I ain't got much to say." I think, and then the, if you if you follow it that way, if you recontextual, if you look at the set list, you're like, holy shit! I'll be oh, your bam. They're all about winding down and leaving the road. I think cool. that was my theory. Sorry, I don't. That's awesome. Yeah, 
Yeah. I'm going to stop you there. I'm going to stop you there. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to ruin the show. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, that's a great. No, you set it up though. Okay. Thank you. Okay. You're welcome. Anyway, where was I going with this? Touch something caught a virus. You wrote it before the pandemic. We've established that. I picked up on some dead milkman stuff. Uh, in this, uh, yes, there's a few different things. I'm just going to read the lyrics out to people so they get it. Stole three words from Rodney, a man who come before me from Philly like me, so it's okay, and I'm a thinking about him today. Later, at the, towards the end of the song, young teen on a skateboard blasting Eat Your Paisley. Mm, well, that was me. So for those who don't know, Rodney is, I think, Kurt, you tell me if I'm wrong. Rodney, yeah, Anonymous. Uh, has anyone else pointed yeah. this out? No, not yet. Oh my yeah, God. Rodney, Come on. <laughs> legend, Philly legend. Um, yeah, eat your paisley. I love all, all dead milk, man. You know, it's growing up in Philly, Philly pride, but, but eat your paisley. They's got two feet off the ground on there. You know, shake your head and hear the sound. Take a, you know, light up a smoke. Do, 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 do. Cause life is no joke. Shake your head and hear the sound. Take another look around. Nothing's lost that isn't found. You're just two feet off the ground. <laughs> Except he's screaming it at the top of his lungs. Yeah. And Joe, the guitarist, other songwriter with a kind of more great sort of Muppet-like voice in a way. It's not not solely Muppet, but like, and he's got that Philly accent. Yeah. Um unapologetical Philly accent, you know, uh, he's like singing harmony in the background of those same words that makes it so beautiful. And it's such a release the way they scream, but yeah, the other song earwig, you got an earwig crawling towards your brain. You got an earwig, the glorious pain. And like, that's me writing really fast. That's, I guess how I would imagine some of more Dylan writes in these newer songs or in general, but like touch something called a virus touch something called a virus and you know i think you know i know i think it's killing me you might claim i'm a i'm no doctor and don't i know cup runneth over with life blood and then it sprung a leak it took about a week and man i got a migraine the glorious pain yeah and i just you know i, I wrote that pretty quick you know the glorious pain and then in that moment i said i stole three words from rodney a man who come before me from philly like me because you know so the glorious pain I'm just referencing earwig. You know, it's not even, even when I'm writing it, I don't even, I just hear it because I've heard that song over and over. But there's so many songs. I know for a fact that's the way Dylan writes. You know, yeah. you see things all the time, or, you know, one of the ways. You see that all the time. He, he's name checking everybody, especially in these later records, but he's doing it before too. And that's, you just sort of know, realize that's what writers do all the time. The great writers, they're homage and elude all the time, you know. Cause nothing, there is nothing new under the sun to quote Nick Tosh's who's quoting somebody, some Greek, whoever, I don't know, but like, it's like, that's the beauty, you know, this, like, e uh, this EP seems to uh, include a lot of uh, homage from your end of things. I'm talking about, uh, to George Jones, famous song, a good year for the roses, obviously is alluded to in another good year for the roses. We've just talked about dead milkmen. Tom Petty, Bob Dylan, David Berman, your own daughters. Uh, you are feeling grateful uh, to your muses. Is that a way of putting it? Man, I guess so. And I, th I'm glad you're noticing, you know, cause I, I do it a lot. And, and I, and I will say uh, in, in a lot, yeah, like definitely influenced by later Dylan and how he was doing that too. And just to see him doing this in real time 
and you're you're obviously paying attention to that too. Yeah. So I like hearing you say it back to me because I I I did like all of a sudden look at the sequence and see all that in it, and then things like yeah, you're name checking Bob Dylan, you know, your hero. If you ever saw him, you'd melt down <laughs> like a nuclear reactor, you know. <laughs> and there's times we're living in where there's, you know, there's plenty of psychological and real threats, you know. Yeah. Uh, and then, but then the next song comes up and it's Dylan's Must Be Santa, you know, all kinds of little, they, they work themselves out, but it's like crazy how it, it, it it's kind of a story, you know, I guess, without knowing. It. Yeah, there's yeah. It's one thing to pay homage to people or quote their lyrics. You actually do some cover songs. A wonderful song by Wilco, Passenger Side. I think on a different edition, which I don't have at the moment, you do a Charlie XCX song. Is that right? Well, yeah, that's just, uh, that's on the solo. Well, th- those were just, that's on the, there's a limited. Yeah. Some sort of deluxe edition LP. thing. LP. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Oh, so you don't have the passenger side? No, no, no. I have passenger and... side by Wilco. I, okay. And it's beautiful. Okay, yeah. No, that... I, I was... That... that <laughs> I was playing it in the car like for that's... my son yesterday. Okay. And he was listening and he, he hadn't... He likes Wilco actually quite a bit, uh, but he hadn't uh, connected the song to them. And then he was listening. He's like, hey, they're drinking beer in the car? That's not right. Yeah. You know, my son is 12. <laughs> He's 12. He didn't think that was right. And I was like, no, it's just a story. It's a... It's a fun song, I guess, in a way about uh, delinquency. But anyway, uh, yeah. yeah. So sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you there. It seems to me no, you've got it. that on your on your brain. I'm going to pay some tribute to the people I love, and and allude to their songs, if not outright play some of them. So something about you feeling, I think, reflective and grateful for uh, the artists you love. That's all I was getting at. Wow, that's cool, man. Thank you. I, I and then like like I said, it's not like I I'm not organized that way. Where I'm like, I'm going to make an album about this. And I also am a believer, at least for myself, once you say you're going to make an album about this, it's already contrived, you know? <laughs> like, so it just happened that way, I guess. You know, it's like, once you say you're going to make an album about something, it's already like a, a shtick, you know? <laughs> yeah. We, 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 Compromise. we kind of fell into a discussion about uh, the police and walking on the moon. And it's funny that that came up because now that I think about the title track "Back to Moon Beach," I feel it has like it has a similar kind of feel. That oh. kind of is that an influence? No, but I mean <laughs> I love that song so much. I go back to it a lot. <laughs> yeah, "Back to Moon Beach." It's firstly a reference to I have a song called "Beach on the Moon" that yeah. came out on my album. God is saying this to you. Uh, I I don't say that in the song but it just sounds like a beach on the moon and then that riff around the time definitely that david berman passed you know that riff i was playing with on my electric guitar at home at this vintage fender mustang with a really good whammy bender tremolo thing so it's all about the bend and then it's like beach on the moon beach on the moon these recycled riffs ain't going anywhere anytime soon yeah the full title of that old song is Beach on the Moon, recycled lyrics. So this is like, yeah, back to Moon Beach, like going back like that, you know, I guess that's, there's a movie I probably never even saw called Back to the Beach. This is Back to Moon Beach, and it's we record these songs at Stinson Beach, and uh, there's a cadence delivery of the lyrics that it's definitely another listening to my teens to Silver Jews, Starlight Walker. There's a song on there that has a very similar delivery that 
So all those things combined, that's what that, that's like. And also one time I told Neil Young, you know, he played down by the river. It was like he was underground in an outer space at the same time. And he, he didn't miss a beat. He's like, oh yeah, we could go to outer space, whatever we want. (laughs) So I like that. Like, you know, beach on the moon. That's exact. That's like my, where I want to live. I want to, that's where I live. That's where I give. That's stuff I say in the song where you get lost in a chord. You go to the studio. You're on the moon with your friends. Like, you can tap in and out with music and go on the moon whenever you need to, or whenever it calls you. You know, you might not even know, but you pick up a guitar and, and you're there. I mean, the fact that you can have a conversation with Neil Young must be an out of body experience. I know you've sang about opening for Neil, uh, uh, who I love and have seen many, many times as well. What is that like to actually encounter someone like that? Okay, well, first of all, that was the extent of the conversation. <laughs> um, <laughs> but and that was with my wife Suzanne pushing me because I was like to talk to him. You know, he's right there, and I was shy, I was afraid. You know, that, but uh, it was amazing to. You know, that's the best story. I, I've ran with that story a lot. You know, <laughs> I've got to tell that. Story. But uh, yes, it is amazing though that I could weasel my way backstage or know people in his entourage to be able to to get there you know that that was a important that was the first time i saw him with promise of the real willie nelson's kids etc yeah yeah, they backed him up so good and they did play they played down by the river it was in nashville and he was just playing with your mind because they did extensive jams of like you know before the last verse that just the jam kept going and going it could have been 20 minutes long and then he kept coming back as if he was gonna sing the last verse be on my side, I'll be on your side, but instead he'd just be like, be on my side, and then go, and go back into the jam again, just playing oh, nice. with people's minds. Yeah. You know, he went, because he kept going to outer space whenever whenever he felt like it. <laughs> did you actually open for him, or was that a little bit of artistic license? I opened for him, one, yeah, then I did. Okay. I opened for him when I wrote that song, mm-hmm. and that was in, that was in Old City, Quebec, and this giant, for a festival, and it was oh. Promise of the Real, then, then Kurt Vile and the Violators, then Neil Young with Promise of the Real backing him up. And that was in front of 80,000 people. Oh, yeah. That was mind-blowing. On the Plains, you know? of, Plains of Abraham kind of thing, that place, that's where it was, I think? I mean, I don't remember the, that name, but it looked like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been, uh, I've been to that festival. Like, like, I, I went to that festival once, yeah. It's like a, like a big kind of corporate festival kind of thing, right? Ooh, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. But it was it was massive though, and maybe it looked it looked free. No, maybe maybe it wasn't even free. <laughs> but it was a really beautiful play, uh, and that was in 2018, I think. I think that was the fifth of July or something. Yeah, or the or the sixth of July in 2018. So you have this song called "Tom Petty's Gone," but tell him I asked for him. And it, it, it talks about this. I think it talks about this. Let, you tell me about uh, the desires at, at times to encounter your heroes and just chat with them, get their insights. Uh, and then the missed opportunities that we have when people pass away. And so the Tom Petty stuff would be obvious. Bob Dylan's referenced here. And you're like you quoted earlier, like if I got to talk to him, I'd probably just melt down. You'd freak out. But one of the things that stuck out as well in this song, we've alluded to, each of us have alluded to him a few times, is DCB, David Cloud Berman. Um, and the lyric is, to them that chose to leave like DCB, well, really wish he could have held on a little longer. If you see him 
on another dimension, will you tell him we all really miss him? Maybe they're they're just in the upside down. Either way, it's got me down. So that's the lyric. Um, Kurt, I got to know David a little bit. He was on this show just before he died. And um, I feel his loss kind of every day. I sing uh, Silver Jews songs to my daughter at bedtime. Same. On a guitar. Same. I do. Yeah. Well, that's, I mean, I, I grew up on David Berman. I, I, you know, pavement, like it was like, was like the gateway drug. And then, same here. Then you discover Silver Jews and his voice cuts. Like the first thing I heard, sure, there was the intro. Hello, my friend. Well, the first thing I heard was the Silver Jews on the Haydrag City yeah. comp. And that, that was crazy enough. <laughs> the, the famous eyes, you know? Yeah. Uh, but like, anyway, when he really cuts through, when you got the CD and you listen to home and it's trouble, no trouble yeah. on the line. You know, scotch and penicillin, please try Carlton. You know, in 27 years, I drunk 50,000 beers. Like, who's got that vocal timbre? Yeah. Grant, granted, recorded so well by Doug Easley, et cetera. Yeah. But his voice, the timbre cuts right through to your soul. Yeah. And then I grew up on it. And then I, I did, I, 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 I met somebody circa South by Southwest 2011 who told me that David Berman, Listen to one of my songs over and over again. It was Society is My Friend. Oh, nice. Or maybe it was actually 2013 or so, whatever. And I was like, what? He's a fan. And then this person got in touch with me. She showed me the, they said he played it over and over again. And, but I guess eventually he heard that I was a fan of him because I would talk about him in interviews. And eventually we did correspond. Nice. Kind of around the same time I saw that Dylan show in Nashville. And we did, I did finally meet up with him with my family but a big part of that was i was my kids were still young but they getting a little older i'd sing to them before they go to bed and they would like tennessee yeah you know yeah. W- with cassie coming and they'd come in and sing that part that cassie sings and yeah. and like then we went to visit you know david and, and my whole family my wife and two daughters and and uh cassie and yeah man uh when God was young, he made the wind and the sun. And since then, it's been, it's been a, a slow, slow education. Education. <laughs> yeah. And then like the change. So you got that one idea again, the one idea, the one about dying. Like the best course of all time. So simple. Oh, 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 I'm lightning. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> I'm, I'm rain. rain. Oh, oh, oh. It's frightening. <laughs> I'm not same. the same. I'm not the I'm not same. The same. Yeah. I'm not the same. Yeah. Yeah. So I hung out with him a few times and uh, I was planning to see I, I was so proud of him with the new album he sent me the cd he's like i want to know which one will you listen to cd or lp i was like send me the cd because i can i can travel with it yeah you know? and uh he sent it to me he, he was like which one are you gonna, gonna want to hear you know that's heavy you know I, I, but like uh i was planning to be there in philly when purple mountains came i'm good friends go back way back with woods uh, yeah, where recorded that in his backing band. So yeah, I'm gonna actually talk to Jarvis from Woods this week about the uh, new Woods album, Perennial, and uh, David. Also, yeah, David was interesting. There was a rumor that there was new music. He would give me updates about the record. He sent me the lyrics to uh, the. And I, I will be frank with you. I can't listen to Purple Mountains. Since he's, I don't, I am the same way. Like I would listen to all the Silver Jews, but I have not listened to Purple Mountains yeah, since then. I can't. He sent it because to because it's heavy. I mean, he's yeah. like nights at one. I mean, clearly, it's it's hard. It's hard. It's hard because 
he was hurting so bad, but it, and I love him. Yeah. But us, it was it's dark, man. That's, it's very dark. It's hard. In, in, in 2018, he it's sent hard. me. In 2018, he he sent me. He emailed me lyrics to the songs, and uh, and then in uh, November, December, I think Bob Nisanovich sort of went on a thing where he said there was new music coming, and uh, I wrote to David and I said, "Hey, is there new? Is it done? Are you? Is it actually coming out?" And David said, "Yeah, here it is." Sent me a 45 minute wave file. Of the entire Purple Mountains album, not separated, just one chunk, the whole album. And I had it and uh, just loved it. And uh, sorry, it's just, it's a small world. I like that we both have these connections. And uh, I just want to say it, it meant a lot to me to pick that out in this song that you've got these mainstream sort of rock icons in Tom Petty and Bob Dylan. And you threw David in there. And I think, uh, I just want to tell you for what it's worth, you don't know me, uh, but it's really just, it was just meaningful because I love all those dudes. But David in particular is someone um, that's meant a lot to me for a long time. So Kurt, for what it's worth, thank you. <laughs> wow. Thank, thank, thank you be, because it's true. And it's also, that's also like down the generation, right? Without thinking about it. I didn't think about it at the time, but it's like, but you got your Dylan. Yeah, and then that was Petty's hero, and then you got your Petty. He's cutting through, talking to people, yeah, straight from the radio. Like he's doing the same thing, but it's catchy often, and talking to you straight through the like he his influence was the radio, and then our generation, same way, in a different way, on your like combo stereo speaker compact disc that <laughs> that uh, uh, David Berman's voice is cutting through to you as a teen. So yeah. the way that Bob Dylan might have cut through to Tom as a teen, or uh, you know, I I gotta look at their age difference. I mean, it's not quite. Maybe it's exactly the same. I don't know. No, no, as no. Me, Tom, me Tom, and David. T- oh, oh, as you and David. Yeah, yeah. Maybe David got ten years on me, so he would have been, uh, I think, uh, fifty six. Uh, right so what's that to dylan and petty Uh, i don't know i I think dylan was 80 dylan's obviously or dylan is 82 i think i'm guessing tom petty died in his early 70s uh i don't know uh or or late 60s anyway yeah it's uh yeah that that i guess what you're talking about is that weird blurry line between contemporary and mentor yeah like like hero and friend (laughs) is that what you mean yeah but also you know you know but influence you know like he He's a hero. He, Dylan was obviously a hero. To Petty, yeah, must have been, you know, yeah. And then, then he ends up being friends and works together. Yeah. Uh, and then, I, you know, sim- similar to David, I never got, you know, I, I get, went to his house and he showed me his songs. And Cassie told me, oh, he hasn't showed anybody those songs yet. Yeah. You know, it was before he went and first recorded with Dan Bejar or Behar, Dan Behar. Yeah. They sc- yeah. Behar, yeah. but they scrapped that and then, yeah. and then, yeah, I. I saw, yeah, whatever. It's it's a it's a hard thing, but he was a magical guy. Really quickly, I'll also tell you this. So like you, it's just a very similar trajectory. I was putting out feelers into the world if I talked to Will Oldham or other mutual friends of David's. Because David, for those who don't know, David kind of vanished after he retired Silver Jews in uh, 2009. And, and then I started this show in 2013. And I had talked to David once before and interviewed him over email once before as well. Um, so he, I think he was aware of me to some extent and remembered that I was a, a, a fan and, and, and covered him. Anyway, I started to just talk about him on this show. 
And I would say, you know, Will or Dan, uh, if you ever see David, if he wants to ever talk, please let him know. And then David emailed me. I've never, he just emailed me out of the blue. And he said, uh, I'm not, this is like 2015. I'm not in any position to talk to anyone, but I tell you what, if I ever do an interview, you're, you'll be the first person I talk to. And I was like, what? How is this possible? And then, wow. and then Kurt. So it was? He did it. So when he talked about Purple Mountains, we talked. And it's, as far as I, you know, it was both, uh, for a print piece that I was working on for a magazine. And I said, I wanted to use the audio for the podcast. And uh, I sought David's approval on that, and he said it was fine to use it. And at that point, I think he talked to me, the Washington Post, the Ringer. I'm not trying to make myself sound special. I just want to explain how grateful I feel. I don't feel special. I don't think I'm special. I don't know why he, why he did this for me. But it's just an endless gift. But it make, yeah. Well, it makes you feel special, like in your. Check. I feel special, but I don't want to come across. I don't mean to suggest no. I'm some highfalutin no, guy. I think I, he know. was doing me no. a favor, frankly. And uh, well, he's the same. Yeah, he's the same. Yeah. He's he's saying the same thing. I mean, he's he knows. Uh, it's crazy. His writing is just so. I don't know. You just sit down. You look at it. It's so so. I, yeah, yeah. I don't know. He was he was he was the poet of our time. Absolutely. That's how I feel. He moved me at a. He was a contemporary to to me. He's as important. He's as important to me as Dylan is to me. If that makes sense, of course. Yeah, and D- like Dylan, I don't know if he would definitely like he would definitely be moved by it if he if he had the right moment and the right perspective. Like, there's no way Dylan wouldn't be moved by that. Yeah, you know. Yeah. The music, the words cutting through and, and, you know, actual air. Yeah. But we, but we grew up on it. Yeah. That's a difference. You know, and we saw it happening. Yep. You know, so we, we know, we know, <laughs> and we're lucky. Yeah. I, a hundred percent. I, I agree. We talked about generation things here a little bit. We've talked a little bit about our, our, our kids, not yours and mine. We don't have kids together, everyone. Kurt has kids. I have kids. <laughs> Now, uh, Kurt, I feel like uh, among the other, I mentioned earlier that I feel like you're you're uh, expressing gratitude towards the people that are important to you in your life. Your kids are present on this record in a unique way. It must be Santa we've alluded to, which is the Dylan connection as well. But also, you name check your daughter in like a wounded bird trying to fly. Can you talk a little bit about um, how it came to be that your kids are kind of more incorporated on this particular release? Yeah, I think it's just because this is this is like. A collection of capturing this era of my life yeah and yeah the first thing they sang on was that must be santa i mean we've sung together we've performed together we've performed you know for various youtube things and i've recorded they've been in like different classes music classes that i recorded their stuff for so they're experienced in my the home studio but must be santa was the first thing we got them to sing back up on and it was it was a job. It was for like a Christmas compilation that came out last year on Spotify. Same with the Charlie XCX thing. It was a job. Like I was asked to cover that because she got a certain award and they knew I was a big fan huh. and I did not take it lightly. I was nervous because her generation or I was intimidated because uh, hmm. I just love her songwriting and I, I, I didn't want to seem like this weird old dude, but then I <laughs> were, 
equal fan. I turned them on immediately to Charlie once I was a fan. Yeah. And my, so they sang. I, so it's a joint effort there. And it was like the, the reason that's even on this record, my manager, Rennie loves it. And he was, when he realized that it wasn't on the main digital album, he's like, Oh, really? But I, but I just say it's one too many covers. Like you kind of forget, like you can go from the end of this, the nine tracks, yeah. you know, the cool water yeah. passenger side into cool water and, Start it over again, it all makes sense. But if you end with the Charlie track, it's good, but you kind of forget where you were. Mm. So I, I left it off the digital, but it, there's a, we needed one more song to, to make a whole other LP make sense. And, and that, that made sense because it's from that era. So I put it on as a vinyl exclusive for now. I, I'll eventually I'll put it out on something maybe more pop covers or something. I don't know. Yeah. But anyway, it's a really catchy. It is catchy. And, and they, but my daughters, it makes more sense and it sounds way better with them singing on it. So that's, that's why that is. And yeah, we, we, they play all kinds of instruments. I'm, I'm going to teach my oldest a wielder guitar. Yeah. Okay. So in like a wounded bird trying to fly, she wrote that lyric one time. She just said, I, cause she's, she's a writer and she's reads all the time. She's, She's, we were trying to get her to do some exercise, or my wife was, to do some yoga. And she said, I feel like I'm a wounded bird trying to fly. And <laughs> I ended up putting that line in the song. And she's like, make sure I get credit. Make sure I get credit. And I was like, of course, of course. But there's no liner notes anymore. I mean, she's in the liner notes like three times, but who reads liner notes? So that's why I was like, well, I got to put it in the song. Yeah. You know, like a wounded bird trying to fly. Well, my daughter... She wrote that line, so copyright, a will to vile. You know? That's why. That's, it's very funny to hear that. And uh, is that legally binding? Does that work? What is, I, I hope so. But I, you know, I also give her, I have, give her credit in the, I say, song titled by a will to vile. I, yeah. I didn't uh, necessarily cut her into the publishing, but maybe I'll fix that someday. I don't mean to get into family law here. I just was asking a question. I, whatever you guys work out, I'm sure it'll be on the up and up. Let me just say that. My kids, uh, I think sometimes have an interesting perspective on uh, pop culture, maybe even celebrity because of the work I do and the people I talk to. And they, they assume I can talk to anyone, uh, that I can. Why did you, are you going to see Bob Dylan? You're going to talk to him? I'm like, no. No, right. he doesn't like really that. talk to people. Do your kids have like a different, do you think they have like a unique perspective on the same sort of stuff? Similar. Yeah. Similar. Cause yeah, cause they, they'll meet somebody like David Berman who we listen to or John Prine or something. And then they've said similar things like, Oh, we ro- love PJ Harvey. We're, we get super into PJ Harvey. <laughs> and then they, want, they were like, can we meet her? Yeah. And we're like, well, it's not. <laughs> Doesn't always work that way. It's possible. Anything's <laughs> yeah, possible. possible. That's what I've learned. Anything's possible. But uh, do you think it just humanizes the work you do? And I, know, I think it, like my son and my daughter this year, my son got to interview because he's a huge, huge Beastie Boys fan. Loves Beastie Boys. Oh wow! And awesome. so I managed through a mutual friend to connect with Adam Horowitz, Ad Rock from Beastie Boys. So I says to Adam, I says, if we do a thing, at the end, can my son ask you a few questions and we'll use the video for something? And Adam's like, sure. So my son got to interview Ad Rock from Beastie Boys. And then a couple, and then of course, I don't know if you have this, my kids are competitive. If one gets something, the other wants something. Oh yeah. It's And, and I'm fine. Oh, yeah. I'm like, you're right. 
So, uh, but that's funny. So he's like, Oh, well, I want to interview. <laughs> <laughs> what happened was, uh, Will Oldham and his friend Lori Damiano wrote a kid's book, uh, based on a, mm-hmm. a song by Superwolves. And so I said, my daughter and I read it and she liked it. I'm like, would you like to talk to Will and Lori? And she's like, sure. So we did. So my kids in the last, I've got them into kind of, uh, podcast journalism and, uh, it's kind of, cool. it's kind of fun. So I just want to say I relate to, um, you involving your children. I, I hope we're doing, I, we can't pat ourselves on the back, but I hope we're giving them something unique in the work we do. I, yeah. Well, I think that's true, but like, I guess in a way it's like, yeah, you treat them like equals. At this point, they're uh, 13 and uh, oh. 11, and we've traveled the world, you know, a lot of times, and yeah. we're like a gang, you know? Like, but yeah, just like, I guess just involve them in your world would be the, the thing, no matter, you know, no matter, no matter what. And, uh, yeah. you know, we are lucky that way. Yeah. One of the people we haven't talked about yet, I realize, uh, Kurt is, uh, Dallas Good of the Sadies. Uh, yes. Sadies yes. are, uh, uh, the, a band, uh, the band I've seen more than anybody in my life. Like I'm, it must be huh. greatest live band in the world. Absolutely. Uh, you appeared on their second last, album and this uh, amazing song um and uh and you've performed with them in recent years uh can you talk a little bit about this connection with the sadies and within that i don't want to make things uh sad and hard for both of us but i knew dallas good quite well uh we've known wow. we've known each other a long time uh actually yeah i i attended the memorial i flew that's the first time second time first time i flew back during the pandemic back to ontario as i went to this um uh, musical memorial for Dallas. Uh, and I saw the Sadies three times in Edmonton when they were here this year or last year. I can't remember what it was. Anyway, they just mean a lot to me. And I'm sorry to keep talking about myself, but I feel like we have some mutual interests and friends and things like that. So uh, forgive me, but can you talk a little bit about your relationship with the Sadies and how it came about? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, I remember I first got in a van with them and I didn't know who they were, but I, I played like Woods' Fest out in Big Sur, and it was after I had my fir- first daughter, Awilda, so like 13 years ago, and I was shy. I'm always shy at first, but I was, you know, 30 years old or something, yeah. uh, you know, and at the end of the leg with Woods, I, because we shared a booking agent, they said, well, you can get a van with these these guys, and I did, and it was really hard at first because i didn't know them and i like was shy and hung over and and they were in their own world in the similar way but by the end just seeing them play every night it just creeped up on me and then it was like an after effect i was and da- his older brother travis dallas's older brother travis it, it's just heartbreaking because they they literally played each other's guitar they had a trick oh where yeah they could oh, each yeah. play each other's yeah yeah you know, the neck on each other's guitar so like right and left hand but Travis, I will say, I love the band, and I I love and and Dallas was my wingman. He would he's the point man. Yeah. You know he ran he ran the ship. Yes, he did. He's a singer. Yeah, his voice cuts yeah. in that low. Yeah, uh, he writes those heartbreaking songs. But Dal- Travis has been my hero. You know, from day one, they'd always like kind of joke like, "Oh, tell tell him Travis wants to." You know, I was a, like, I was afraid of Travis at first. He'd be driving real slow and quiet <laughs> with his sunglasses on. And, uh, but he's just the most incredible guitar player of all time. You know, I, I hear that anytime Neil Young 
go you know goes yeah back to canada near you know in the where he has like a farmhouse somewhere near where, where travis lives he hangs out with them all the time yeah like i just realized over time that seeing them live so many times that they're they're just the realest and best live band of all time and they got so many records like they they're 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 gods in uh, canada but that they still play tiny pubs you know everywhere but they're just like punk rock in that way where that it's a job and they deliver all the time they delivered and travis is still doing it and thank god he's still playing but yeah i, I realized around 20 i i knew anyway we went on a couple tours together with the violators but i i realized they were the realest band of all time when i released bottle it in hmm. we had them come up to this house in in uh, upstate new york and they played and we did a cover of baby's arms what you can see on this short documentary of mine called bottle back mm-hmm. yeah we're we're brothers and uh definitely dallas asking me out of the blue to add lyrics to that instrumental track that became easy like walking yeah um that solidified something that solidified our history because we played a lot uh sean the bass player i'm so close with uh i love them all uh, all the mike there were we just go way back we're a family um yeah, that's and just like Dallas leaving suddenly. That's, that's, that's a shock. You know, a lot in a row. It, it was like, it was Berman, then it was John Prine, then it was Dallas all in a row. There's like one, two, three, like, yeah. It's like father, father, son, and Holy Spirit out, yeah, out, gone. Yeah. It's been hard. And I think about Dallas all the time. And I just want to thank you for those lovely words. Uh, for what it's worth, I, it, it's, uh, nice to kind of commiserate. And I, I'm also happy the Sadies are still going. I, they said they announced that his father uh, announced it at the memorial service that the Sadies were going to continue, and there was applause, but also gasps a little bit. Like, how can they without Dallas? But they're doing it, and it's magical. And so, uh, and that last album, Colder Streams, is fucking fantastic. So, all this to say, sorry, I don't mean to emote so much, but I, um, no. Thank you. Thank I, you. Yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah. No, this has been great. Uh, cause yeah. you were, yeah, we're, we're talking about a lot. Of, <laughs> yeah. We're com we're coming from the same place. So it's nice. It does feel that way. Um, the one thing that I didn't get to and I said I would. So I want to let, well, there's a couple things. I didn't even ask you about working with Kate LeBon. So that's something I want to ask about real quick. But the other thing was another good year for the roses. What an amazingly catchy song. This might be one of your catchiest ass songs, man. It's amazing. And I, and like wow. I said, it's an allusion to this George Jones, uh, or, or rather a song that George Jones made, uh, very famous, uh, a good year for the roses. Some people might know the, uh, Elvis Costello version as well. What exactly prompted? I know you, sorry, Kurt. I get the impression from you that you don't even know why you do some of the stuff you do and why you write the way yeah. you write. But where did this, all this knot of stuff come from with that particular song well okay i having a piano around the house is key like i it's kind of like a childish piano but i'm singing it and playing it live but it's like it's from because my piano skills are basic what i kind of realize i'm good at is just getting the same it's like the the melody is in the piano that's the hook yeah and it's the same all the time yeah you know, some, sometimes when I play guitar, I forget about hooks. You know, I think about them more now because they're good to have. Like, but sometimes with a guitar, I'm a little more free or I'm playing a hypnotic chords or finger picking. But with a piano, it's got this melody and, and it was, uh, the lyrics, 
back then I did think a lot more about what I was writing and I was obsessed with George Jones. Mm -hmm. This is like 2015, 2016, maybe my drummer, Kyle, I was obsessed with George Jones anyway. And he told me about good year for the roses. And that once I heard that it was solidified around that time, my stage shirt was, uh, this picture I stole from a Tammy Wynette, a book called Tammy, which, which Jimmy McDonough, I don't know if that's how you say his name. He wrote Shaky, the Bob Dylan book, but he wrote this book about her. And there's a family photo of Neil George Young. Jones Shake, with sunglasses. Sorry, Shaky is the Neil Young book. But yeah, he, he wrote Shaky. Jimmy McDonough, yeah. he wrote Shaky. Yeah. But in he also wrote Tammy, mm-hmm. which I read later. Shaky's the Bible for any 20-year-old. <laughs> uh, you know, but later in life, <laughs> when I got a little older, I was reading country. After I re- First, I read If I Could Only Remember My Name. George Jones's book and he makes any every rock and roller look like a poser <laughs> and then you know I couldn't get enough so then I read the Tammy book but anyway there's this photo of him peak insanity because he was married to Tammy then with sunglasses with his arm around the Easter bunny yeah looking maniacal so anyway I was obsessed with George Jones he was my hero you know anti-hero you know the, the way that Jerry Lee Lewis would be your hero yeah right and has been you know yeah. that, like just those type of heroes so I wrote, yeah, this, they said it's been a good year for the Roses already. So, yeah, no, yeah, I was thinking about that song. But then it, it was years before I got, a few more years before I got behind the mic, you know, and actually record that song. And I think I recorded it because I was recording with, with Kate as, you know, co-producing. Yeah. And I, I had a certain amount of sketches of songs. I had the Tom Petty's Gone, which I was, it's the first one I tried, but I was shy about the lyrics mm. you know because i hadn't worked with everybody so i was a little insecure about the lyrics um, and then i had touched something called a virus with the with the dead milkman references that came pretty quick afterwards but then good year for the roses that i had that song written for a long time so that's i think that's why i i laid it down then so i could at least have a song yeah that was fully structured and and yeah but it was more may 2023 that we we added a lot more to it, but with plenty with Chris Cohen and Kate. Uh, she didn't play anything on that, but she helped produce it. She gave like percussion suggestions, but yeah. all all legends playing playing on that recording. So you can't. It's all about the hang. You got to get the right people in the room. That's why I wanted Kate there. I, I had just toured with her, and I just love being around her. Make me want to turn on the amp, you know, pick up a guitar. Oh, Kate's here. <laughs> that's what it's about you know so you know kate just from happening to tour together is that how you kind of met i first know, know kate i knew kate from stella Mazgawa, the drummer on uh that session who she's from war paint yeah and she's she's toured with me in the sea lice i got i got her that gig i will say yeah but now she still plays with courtney barnett right but yeah i've played with stella she saved my album she saved waking on a pretty days when i needed a drummer and We've worked together ever since. She played on Pretty Pimpin', my biggest hit. Yeah. I mean, it's no it's no coincidence. You gotta it's all about having the right people to hang with, but also the great players, you know. Well, it's all come together on that song and this beautiful uh EP. And uh Kurt, I've long wanted to talk to you, so thanks for uh indulging me in all this. Uh I wanna uh ask you about what's what's kind of next for you. You're a prolific guy. You mentioned Courtney Barnett. We all love that uh, record you guys did together. Anyway, I'm, I don't want to ask a leading question, but uh, <laughs> what's coming up next for you uh, beyond touring and whatnot? Well, that's the beauty. Like That's why I'm excited I turned in this album because 
Usually I turn in something and then hit the road with it, but this one touring is winding down. I got one show next week, local, uh, with Sunra Orchestra opening, so that's oh, huge. Wow. And, Amazing. and the band is going to record at my home studio for a week beforehand because this is the end of all the touring. Not everybody in the, the Violators live in town, so they're here. Yeah. So you got to capitalize on that. And that's the beauty. Uh, I put out this record, and I love it. I'm proud of it. And it's a little one foot in the past and one tiny toe pointing toward the future, you know. <laughs> uh, but I got this out, and it, it's going to – and I got plenty of music in the can, but I'm going to work on my new album just slow and steady. I don't know how long it's going to take. Okay. It could be short, could be long. There's plenty of people I know I want to work with that I plan to. And I like to know that there's always gigs on the horizon eventually. And, and yeah, but I got some time to catch my breath, but – keep working on music you know nice all right well that sounds great now if people want to learn more about uh you uh, or follow you or whatever on the internet uh, do you have a uh, preferred uh, places for them to go well they can follow me on instagram <laughs> <laughs> and uh i have a website kurtvile.com okay i am actually going to have a fans uh uh i'm not going to give out the title yet but i did save another website and i am going to have like a fan club site in a oh. multi-dimensional fan club scenario. So, but for now, just yeah, on Instagram and whatever. I, 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 but I, I'm all, I'm on and off the road all the time. That's yeah. that's the rules for me. So you you can find me. Okay, yeah, you've got a you do have a bunch of tour dates coming up. I'm pretty sure, and uh, people. But can, that's in March. That's in March. Yeah. March. Okay. Okay. Cool. Uh, Kurt, yeah. if we can go out on a song from Back to Moon Beach. Um, is there a particular song that you would uh, suggest we go out on? And if so, can you tell us why it came to mind? Well, okay. Um, dang, that's hard. Because the title track is like spiritual jazz almost and very hypnotic, and it's eight minutes long. Yeah. So if you want a shorter song, no, 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 we can something do caught up. Yeah, all right, let's do that. Okay. Uh, <laughs> that, let's do the title track. You want to do the title track? Okay, and just because it's... What did you say? Uh, multi-dimensional? It's kind of spiritual yeah. jazz and multi-dimensional. But um, I don't know, though. Touch something called a virus is beautiful. So you you might have to call an audible there. Mm. You could choose. You could choose. Well, I you like the, I, I, I You know what? Let's pay a little homage to the Dead Milkmen. And, yes. And I, and I do think it's eerie that you have this song... Uh, that came that you wrote before uh, a pandemic where everyone actually had the same thought uh, for a while, uh, probably. So yeah, let's yeah. do it. This is touch something. Let's do it. Caught a virus by Kurt Vile from this beautiful new, uh, very long EP. Back to Moon Beach, Kurt. Honestly, uh, an honor to get to talk to you. Uh, I've long wanted to. I I hope you enjoyed this, and I hope we talk again soon. And and best of luck in the future. Yes. It was awesome to talk to you too. And you know, I'll say real quick, I think I said it. Dallas was amazing. I don't know if I said anything about Dallas himself, but he was like the sweet soul. I probably did, but now, you know, this, but yeah, you, you, you're coming from all like real angles here. So it's, it's, a, it's cool. But, uh, yeah, I, I, I look forward to, I'll tell the Sadies you said hi and it's awesome to talk to you. And I will look up your interview with David Berman. It's on this podcast. Yes, it is. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. I'll send I'll, I can send you some links, but I appreciate it. Thank you, Kurt. Yep. Thank you. I'll see you around.
Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Yeah, it's very cool and fun when you make a show and then 10 years later, Kurt Vile is on it. That's kind of fun, isn't it? I hope you enjoyed that chat with Kurt. I really did. Nice to meet him in this regard for the very first time. Have a chat. I think we had a lot in common. I uh, hope you enjoyed that and we'll check out uh, his new EP. Uh, And thanks for listening to this, the 821st episode of Creative Control, which is part of the Entertainment One Podcast Network and is available wherever you get your podcasts. If you can't find an episode that you've heard about and you're looking for it everywhere and you can't find it, or if you want to learn more about me and sign up for my monthly newsletter, which I'm very delinquent on, please visit vishkana.com. And also like Creative Control on Facebook or follow the show on Twitter at vishcreative. Or you can follow me directly on Twitter and Instagram at vishkana. I'm also on Blue Sky and Threads and TikTok and there's a YouTube channel. I think I've talked about that sometimes. There's a few things. If you just look me up and, and follow me or whatever, or subscribe to things, uh, that's fine. You can do whatever you want. You don't have to do that either. You can just mind your business and forget I said anything. Please visit patreon.com slash creative control to make a flexible monthly donation uh, to support my work. Uh, $6 American or more a month grants you access to some exclusive content that I put up from time to time. I also uh, put up the episodes earlier on the Patreon, and so you can get to episodes earlier than everybody else. And I still have some Creative Control t-shirts that uh, I try to provide to people who do uh, pony up for that $6 or more a month uh, monthly donation. So if you're interested in one of those, message me on Patreon. Look, I'm, I'm lamenting this. I really just wish I could do this show all the time, just like any musician wishes they could play music all the time or... Any artist wishes they could just make their art all the time? I feel like I'm... I don't know. It's close. I feel like I, it's not close monetarily if you look at the Patreon, but it should... It should I don't know. I'd love to get it up higher, so if you have the means and want to support me and my work uh, and uh, get me to stop thinking about it, that would be great. Uh, Patreon.com slash creative control. We all have our problems, don't get me wrong. I'm just it's bugging me lately. I want to thank uh, the excellent Alberta record retailer Blackbird Music uh, who support this show. You can learn more about them at blackbird.ca. 
Other independent businesses support this show in an in-kind manner. Those include Pizza Trocadero, The Bookshelf, and Planet Bean Coffee in Guelph, Ontario, and Granddad's Donuts in Hamilton, Ontario. I want to thank my good pal Jim Guthrie for supporting me in this show. You can learn more about Jim and his music at jimguthrie.org. And finally, thank you so much for listening to this episode with Kurt Weil. It was a really meaningful one for me. I hope it inspires you to check out Kurt's new album. Maybe subscribe to this podcast or follow it and tell your friends all about it, and maybe they'll do the same. I'm going to go now. I will talk to you very soon. Thanks again for your love and support. I'll talk to you later. Bye for now. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.